Welcome to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta, where we are committed to changing lives with faith, hope, and love. We're so glad you are here. A second scripture lesson from the New Testament book of Romans. Romans chapter 9, verses 1 to 5. Again, I invite you to listen for the word of the Lord. I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it by the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my own brothers and sisters, my own flesh and blood. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from them, according to the flesh, comes the Christ, who is over all, God bless forever. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We're right in the middle of a sermon series today, Christ alone is the third of the five solas of the Reformed tradition. When I say Reformed tradition, I'm referring to a religious movement that changed the world starting about 600 years ago. It started with a monk named Martin Luther who had a bone to pick with the Roman Catholic Church. He wrote down his 95 complaints on a big piece of paper and nailed that piece of paper to a church door in Wittenberg, Germany. Why did he nail his complaints to a church door? Because Facebook hadn't been invented yet and there was no other place for him to vent his frustration. The church door was the place to make public notifications. If you wanted to make a grand announcement or get something off your chest, you nailed it to the church door. Which was a bold thing for Luther to do. People could see what he had nailed to the church door. It was bold to do because... At that time or at any time, you can't just go around complaining about the Pope, but that's what he did. One of his big complaints with the Roman Catholic Church was how they, what they thought about the Pope. Luther was convinced that the Pope was just a man and that the priests were all equally mortal and therefore fallible. That's part of the reason why, in addition to saying that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, we now look to this, the third sermon in the series on the five solas or alones of the Reformed tradition, Christ alone. To say Christ alone leaves no room for confusion. It is Christ who is the head of the church and not the pope, the priest, or the pastor. Some congregations still get confused about that. Plenty of pastors do too. However, there's a Lutheran pastor I admire named Nadia Boltz Weber who serves at a church in Denver called the House for All Sinners and Saints. When new people come to her church and ask about joining They hold a class, an orientation class, as we do, to help educate the new members on what the church is all about and what will be expected of them. The House for All Sinners and Saints is a church something like ours. People are attracted to it because it's warm, welcoming, and a little bit different from some of the other churches. Many people join that church because they were hurt or rejected by a former church or disappointed by a former pastor. 
As I join the house for all sinners and saints, they are full of optimism, thinking this place, this church is going to be different. This pastor has so much integrity, unlike the last guy who got my mother's name wrong during her funeral. In many ways, they're right. The house for all sinners and saints is a different kind of a church. This is a different kind of a church. Just as some restaurants are better than other restaurants, so there are different churches, some with more accountability, some with less. Some pastors have more integrity than others. Still, all churches are full of flawed human beings, and all pastors are just mortals wearing fancy robes. So, the Reverend Nadia Boltz-Weber tells the new members of her church something like this. Who is good but God alone? You've come here, maybe because your last church disappointed you or your last pastor hurt you. I'm so sorry about that. Yet sooner or later, I'm going to disappoint you. I'm going to say something you don't like. I'm going to miss an important moment in your life. I'm going to reveal to you that I am human. When that happens, you may be tempted to leave this church as you left your last church, but I ask you to think long and hard about it before you do, for in that moment when I disappoint you, you will see beyond me to the real reason that you're here. That's why the hymn goes, the church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. The church's one foundation is not the pastor. The pastor is just a person. When the pastor takes center stage, everything gets messed up, especially the pastor's ego. The leader of the reform, the leaders of the reform tradition knew that, which is why today we remember that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. For Christ is the head of the church. The pope, the pastor, the bishop, the priest are all fallible human people. When we forget that, people can become monsters, corrupted by power and followed without question in every area of our lives. When the leader puts himself in the place of God, people suffer. Have you heard about those doctors who suffer from high self-esteem? They don't listen. They think too highly of themselves. I've heard stories of patients being sewn back up with surgical equipment still inside of them. And I'm willing to bet that a nurse noticed he was missing some sutures as the patient was being sewn back together, but he didn't say anything because the doctor was in the bad habit of not asking and not listening. Therefore, I say that when we remember that Christ alone is the perfect one, we are all better off. Because we more freely admit that we make mistakes and need a little bit of help from time to time. The best teachers love students who ask hard questions because it makes them better to have to explain themselves. The greatest presidents 
know that as well. So Lincoln surrounded himself with his rivals and not his lackeys because all our ideas get better through discussion, questioning, and debate. No human being ever gets it right the first time. Jesus is the only perfect one. The rest of us are still works in progress. We don't need to be ashamed of our mortality. In fact, being willing to admit that we are mortals, being willing to learn from our mistakes only makes us better. Some say that Steve Jobs of Apple knew that. A recent article about him offers powerful advice for every leader of any organization in just five words. Make a lot of mistakes. Mistakes lead to better ideas. Mistakes keep you humble. There's only one person who ever lived who didn't make any. I am not him. Neither are you. We are all better when we remember that. However, many people are still ashamed of their mistakes. Sometimes we sweep the mistakes of our leaders under the rug, though the Bible is terribly upfront in claiming that Jesus is the only one who is perfect. The Apostle Paul, who wrote our second scripture lesson, was a persecutor of Christians. How do we know about his checkered past? It's because the Bible tells us. The Bible just comes right out and tells us that when the disciple Stephen was stoned, Paul held the coats of the people who stoned him. Not only that, but he wasn't always a dynamic preacher. Like a lot of preachers, he didn't always know when to end his sermon. So one night in Troas, he preached and he preached until midnight. There were lamps in the room where they were meeting. I can imagine someone saying, let's pretend that we don't have any oil for these lamps. Then maybe he'll wrap this sermon up. But no one said that. A young man named Eutychus, who was sitting by the window, finally fell asleep while Paul was sleeping, and he fell right out the window, three stories down. The story's right in the Bible, Acts chapter 20. Likewise, we read about King David and 1 Kings. King David once looked down from his palace porch and he saw a woman bathing. He sent for her, she became pregnant, and because her husband was away fighting in David's army, David sent him to the front line so that he'd never make it home to find out what he had done, what happened while he was away. The Bible doesn't shy away from this horrible story, but just comes right out with it. It is a warning that decent people can be corrupted by power, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Solomon, his son, knew that. He knew the story of how his father abused his power. So in our second scripture lesson, Solomon prays to God this way, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, although I am only a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of, a, of the people whom you have chosen, a great people so numerous that they cannot be numbered or counted. Give to your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, able to discern between good and evil, for who can govern this your great people? 
You see, he, he prayed for understanding. He prayed for wisdom. And he asked for these things because he knew that he didn't have them. And he was able to ask because he wasn't afraid to reveal his need. He knew he wasn't perfect and he wasn't afraid to admit it. That's the beginning of wisdom. And that's the beginning of faith. Recognizing that we need him. Christ alone. We say we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, because people are people. Christ is Lord. We are not. Even pastors are people. Some of us here have had to learn that lesson the hard way. My office upstairs was Dr. Jim Speed's office when he was senior pastor here. Back then, when you graduated high school, you had to go up to Dr. Speed's office to talk about what you planned to do with your life. That was an intimidating meeting. But I went in there thinking he'd be so excited to hear that I was going to Presbyterian College to major in religion in preparation for becoming a Presbyterian minister. When I said that, he looked me in the eye and he said... I hope you will take this decision very seriously because you're talking about getting involved in every person's most important relationship between them and God. In that moment, I changed my major to history. <laughs> I didn't want all that pressure. I didn't want all that responsibility. Worse, when I was a student at Presbyterian College, the pastor who came after Dr. Speed retired got in hot water for preaching sermons he hadn't written. The word for that is plagiarism. I know that because I had to sign the honor code at Presbyterian College. Plagiarism was an offense that resulted in immediate expulsion. Every freshman at Presbyterian College knew that. So when I heard about my pastor doing it, at first I was just disappointed. Then I had a crisis of faith. Why? Because Dr. Speed was right. Every pastor is involved in every person's most important relationship between them and their God. When the pastor here showed himself to be a human being, something inside of me got all mixed up. The one who had talked to me about forgiveness suddenly needed forgiveness himself. And I was in a position not to hear him talk about forgiveness from the pulpit, but to offer it to him. My friends, we pastors, we wear these fancy robes. We get to sit in big, fancy chairs. When we come into people's houses, folks dust off their Bibles and put it on the coffee table. They act like we were just having Bible study when you knocked on the door, Pastor. <laughs> but do not forget that what you all hear us talk about, every one of us is expected to live. We are called to live the Christian faith. And one day I may need you to preach to me. 
Certainly the world needs to hear the sermon that Christ has placed on your heart. I want to hear it too, for we are not the only preachers here, Paul, Cassie, and I. I want you to know that we are saved by grace through faith in Christ. But more than know it, I want you to live it. Will you? Will you live it? The church is a hierarchy only in the sense that Christ is the head. The rest of us are all called disciples, and we are all called to live the Christian faith together. I want to follow him beside you. Christ alone. Will you follow him with me? Are you in? Amen. This podcast is a ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta. Come join us Sundays at 189 Church Street, Marietta, Georgia, or visit us online at fpcmarietta.org.